2,000 years ago, our Lord Jesus Christ taught us how we as Christians ought to live. Our Lord never sugarcoats or backs away from tough subjects. Jesus concludes his Sermon on the Mount with these words of wisdom that will carry us through to eternity if we will do what he says. Jesus said, Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority, and not as their scribes. Will you choose to live wisely on the solid rock of his teachings? Well, here we are at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And before we close this final lesson today, I want you to hear the reaction of the crowd. We've come to the end of the sermon. And this is what Matthew records at the end of the message. He says, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were absolutely amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike their teachers of religious law. The scribes and the Pharisees, they taught the Old Testament, but nothing like how Jesus was presenting the truth. The people were literally on the edges of their seat, listening, listening to every word that Jesus was saying. Their hearts were set on fire by Christ. Those who listened to Jesus were hearing more than mere words. I just want to remind everybody today, when you come to church, when you hear the word of God preached, you're not just hearing words or philosophies or ideas. You're actually hearing the word of God. And this is what made the difference for these people listening to Jesus teach. They were hearing truth on fire. They were being confronted by God. They were receiving a revelation from God. They were hearing the heart of the God of the universe. It was absolutely thrilling. And it's no wonder then that you see crowds following Jesus up and down throughout the land. They didn't want to miss a word of what Jesus was saying. They were listening to the master. In, in academia, when we talk about somebody who is a master, it's somebody who absolutely knows the subject matter. They, they have a master in that subject because they're masters of it. They know it. They understand it. Well, listen, this is exactly who Jesus was. He understood how to have a relationship with God because he had a relationship with God. And Jesus makes it clear to us that the way that we can have this relationship with God is through him, to listen to him, 
to obey him, to hear him. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So you could understand then why these people listening to the words of Christ were so absolutely thrilled. Jesus knows God, and he knows the way back into fellowship with God. Jesus is speaking to people who were far off, estranged from the Father. Now Jesus is saying, I can show you how to find your way home. I can help you find your way back to the Father. You can see how absolutely thrilling this is for the people. I want you to know something today. If you haven't got this kind of a relationship with the Father, if you have not yet put your faith in Christ, you can. All you have to do is say, Lord, I want to accept you as my Savior. I want to follow you. I want to obey you. I want to do your will. Lord, I believe what you did for me, what you did on the cross was for me. Now, many of us have grown up in the church, and many of us have heard this all our lives. We've learned it in Sunday school, but, but too often it's just words. It's not the revelation that these people were experiencing. I pray today that there may be some who would hear these words and say, you know what, I understand today that I gone to church maybe my whole life, but I have not yet yielded my life to God. I have not yet surrendered my life to Christ. May this be the day. Now, as we close the series, I want to remind you of a few things. Um, you may remember that I shared this back in a number of months ago. Basically, it's a simple timeline that shows you the world. B is that dark area that Starts with creation, Christ comes, and then we come to the end of the world. That's, that's our experience as humans in this world. We know that there is a creation, we know that Christ came, and we know that there is an end coming to this world. And by the way, it's not just Christians that understand this, it's not just the Bible that teaches this. Uh, it, it seems everybody understands that life as it is can't go on as it is. But the good news is that Jesus Christ broke into our world. He broke into space and time, and he brought to us a message of his kingdom. And so it was Jesus teaching and preaching that ushered in a brand new kingdom. We call it the kingdom of God. Now, here's what you need to know about the kingdom of God. This kingdom of God is not an earthly kingdom. And this is a mistake that, that religious people have made throughout the ages. They believe that the kingdom of God was an earthly kingdom. It's not. And the Jewish people, when they're listening to Christ, they didn't understand that. The kingdom of God is something that is established in the hearts of human beings. So when you become a Christian, what happens is that God has come to establish or to set up his kingdom in your heart. This is why we, we say to children, uh, you need to invite Jesus into your heart. Well, what are we saying? We're saying that our hearts need to be under the control of our king, the Lord Jesus Christ. At the moment that you ask Christ to come into your life, this is the beginning of eternal life. Some people think eternal life begins when you die. Well, you're half right. 
But it's not the physical death we're talking about. We're talking about a spiritual death. The day that you die to yourself and take up your cross and follow Christ is the day that eternal life begins for you. Did you know that? We have a little taste of heaven right here, right now on earth. And I don't know if you know this or not, but in every church that acknowledges the Lord Jesus Christ as the King of Kings, as the savior of the world, this is a little taste of the Garden of Eden. Did you know that? It's so good to have everybody back in the garden. We're all worshiping together. We're fellowshipping together. We're waving at each other. Those who are watching online, people are learning how to wave here, (laughs) learning how to smile at each other. Why don't you just wave at a few people around you? That's it, yeah. Yeah, some don't know how to use their arm yet. Just pick up the elbow and then do this. So here we are, we've, 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 we are experiencing the kingdom of God here at Cross Church because the people of Cross Church have allowed Jesus Christ to rule in their hearts. At least I hope everybody at Cross Church has done that. In John 5, 24, Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. Did you hear that? You hear the teachings of Christ, you hear Christ's message, and then you put your belief in him. If you've done that, you have eternal life, Jesus says. And and listen to this. Now, this really is the gospel. They will never be condemned for their sin. If you do that, you will never be condemned for your sin. Somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. I've been waiting for this since last March. (laughs) To hear people say hallelujah to something I say. If you put your faith in Christ, Jesus says, you will never be condemned for your sins. Why? Because they have already passed from death into life. Isn't that fantastic? So the minute that you were born again, the moment you put your faith in Christ and you believed in God, then the Bible says you've passed from death into life and you will never be condemned for your sins. I would think those who had a lot of sin in their life or had a lot of sin would be the loudest. (laughs) Because he who has been forgiven much loves much. They will never be condemned for their sins. Hallelujah. So the kingdom of God has been established in our hearts through Christ. Now, here's the thing. The one who is truly converted, the one who who didn't just say a sinner's prayer and say, well, I, I did my thing and I'm attending church. That's all I need to do. But I'm talking about the one who's truly converted. And you'll see why this is so important in just a moment. The one who's truly converted is the one who hears the message of Christ, puts their faith in Christ, and then obeys him. Did you get that? You hear the message of Christ, you believe in Christ, and then you obey him. Now, here's, here's, here's what you got to hear and understand. You've got to understand this. Obedience to Christ is the only evidence that scripture gives that you have been born again. Did you know that? The only evidence that you have been converted is that you are obedient to Christ. 
John says that, doesn't he? He says, if you say that you're born again, if you say that you've put your faith in Christ, but you don't do it, Christ says it, you're a liar. Hey, it's no wonder that so many people, when they're, when they're talking about people that go to church, they, they call us hypocrites and all kinds of names because they see things that don't line up, that don't measure up. It doesn't line up with what they've heard about Jesus. No, those of us who are born again, we know we're born again because of our longing, our desire to obey Jesus. Now, some will say, well, what about the fruit of the Spirit? Well, the fruit of the Spirit is, again, part of the obedience equation. We know that we are born again because we obey Christ, because we want to obey Christ. And when we don't obey Christ, we feel a godly sorrow. We are are saddened. We are grieved because of our sin. I notice some people who think that the minute they sin, that they're they're not born again anymore, then they have to get born again again. I used to think that when I was a kid, I got born again, I don't know how many times. Only because I didn't understand that just because I was a born again young boy didn't mean I would never sin again. No, listen, folks, we are in the process of being transformed by God. We call it what? Sanctification. God is sanctifying us. He's transforming us. He's changing us. And the evidence that you are born again is that you are grieved when you're not obedient. You feel sorrow, a a sorrow for your sin, and you fall on your face before the Lord, and you cry out to him. Sometimes we call this repentance. We, We repent of our sin, and we change, and God is doing that work of transforming us. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I know that God is at work at Alan Duncalf, and he's transforming me. He's making me into the image of his son, Jesus. This is what it means to be a Christian. So we get to this passage, the last, the last teaching about who is a part of the kingdom of God and who is not. Who's on the narrow road and going through the narrow gate versus those who are on the wide road and going through the wide gate that goes to hell. Jesus is giving us another explanation to help us be crystal clear about what he intends for us, what he expects from us. Let's talk about this, because there is a similarity between the foolish man and the wise man. I don't know if you knew this. Oftentimes we think of foolish men and wise men, we think there's, there's an obvious difference. But I want to show you something here this morning, that the difference is not always obvious. In fact, often... It's, it's not clear. So we're looking at verse 24 and 26, and in a few moments, we'll look at verse 25 and 27. But let's look at 24 and 26. And Jesus says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And then he says, and everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Let's look for a moment at these, these two individuals. One's called wise and one's called foolish. They both know the gospel because they both have heard the words of Jesus. Everyone who hears these words, everyone who hears these words, 
They both know what Jesus taught. They both heard the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Perhaps they both have been through catechism. They both know the way of salvation. And then the next thing we recognize that these men have both built, built houses. And what, are they, what does Jesus mean when he's talking about building houses? He's talking about building your life. Everybody builds a life. Everybody has a life. And the question is, how are you building your life? How are you growing? How are you progressing? And Jesus talks about the, the wise man and the foolish man who build houses. And it seems that they, uh, they both understand that they need to build their house on on some sort of principles. A wise man has built his house on the rock of Christ's teachings. The wise man, the foolish man, he hears the words of Christ and he builds his house believing that he's heard the word and he understands the word. He has, he has admitted that these are great words, but he doesn't necessarily build his life according to God's word. He doesn't intentionally, get this, he doesn't intentionally build a house that's going to fall. Nobody does. When you began your life as a young adult, you didn't plan on getting a divorce. You didn't plan on, on, on getting addicted to drugs or alcohol. You didn't plan on, on, on sinning heinously against God. You didn't plan on gaining weight and having an unhealthy body. Nobody plans this, but it happens. Both these men built their life with confidence, but the wise man built his life with a confidence in Christ's teaching, in Christ's word. Whereas the foolish man, he had a confidence in himself. I can do this. I understand this. I'm, I'm a smart man. I'm a wise man. I, I'm a wise woman. I'm, I'm smarter than the average bear. My IQ is a little bit higher than other people. I, I've got gifts and I've got talents and people naturally listen to me and people naturally like me and I'm a natural leader and I'm, I'm a natu- naturally able person. You see the difference? The foolish man has no confidence in himself, whereas the foolish man thinks, I've heard the words of teaching, and as if the foolish man, as if he's going to give God a a high five, and you did a good job, and Jesus, you're really smart, and uh, uh, I like what you got to say, but I got this. I can handle this. I can handle my life on my own. Isn't that interesting? Nobody sets out to build a house that's about to collapse or fall. The difference is one builds with a confidence in God and the other one builds with a confidence in himself. So they both set out to build the house. The fourth thing, the third thing, pardon me, is that these men have both built their houses in the same general location. I mean, we know this because a storm comes and... One house stands and the other one falls. So they're in the same general location. Both have the same outward circumstances. They live in the same town. They go to the same church. They hear the same preaching, the same teaching. They attend the same Bible study. They uh, fellowship with the same people. 
one is wise and one is foolish. One has put his confidence in God and the other one has not. They're in exactly the same location. And one person's life is a disaster and the other one is not. The fourth similarity here is that they both build the same kind of houses. It'd be unfair, wouldn't it be, to, to compare two different style houses? No, the same, it's the same kind of house. There's no apparent difference between their lives. Both are religious, both are biblically sound, both are morally uh, good. They both serve in church, they both support missions, they both support the finances of the church, they're both responsible citizens in society. Both seem to live alike and believe alike. They seem exactly the same. But Jesus says one is a fool and one is wise. There seems to be no outward difference. The difference, my friends, is internal. It's what's inside. And this is where you really got to listen to what I'm saying. Because for so many of us, we think, well, I've got it all together. I'm doing all the things I'm supposed to do. I'm giving, I'm sharing, I'm going to church. But the difference is, one is obedient to Christ and one is not. Did you hear that? The difference between the fool and the wise man is that one is obedient to Christ and one is not. So look at this, verse 25 and 27. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. What is the rock? It's the teachings of Christ. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house on the sand. And it fell. And great was the fall of it. So be clear about this. The rock is the teachings of Christ. It's the instructions of Christ, which we have just heard throughout the Sermon on the Mount. This is how God has called us to live. We call it the constitution of the kingdom of God. Remember, if you are a believer, you are now part of the kingdom of God. If you put your faith in Jesus, you're in the kingdom. And Jesus is telling us now how we are to live. The problem is, is that so many of us, we, we, give, we give assent to the teaching of Christ. Like Mahatma Gandhi, who is not a believer, not a Christian. He loved what Jesus had to say. This is fantastic. This is some of the best stuff I've ever taught. And the Hindus would, would love this. And could live this better than Christians could live it. Well, that may be true, but not when it comes to real Christians. You and I need to understand that as Christians, we are called to live our lives, to build our lives on the teachings of Jesus Christ, which is the solid rock. That is why, my friends, in this church, we only teach and we only preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
That's it. That is it. This is not a center for teaching the latest ideas that are floating around out there. I've been in the ministry now. In, in 2023, it'll be 40 years. Shauna, I'm getting old. But Shauna is still older than me. <laughs> the sand, the rock is the solid teaching of Christ. The sand is the shifting ideas of humankind. For this reason, at Cross Church, we do not get on the latest fad that's going through town. We don't embrace communism. We don't embrace socialism. We don't embrace feminism. We don't embrace uh, postmodernism, Marxism, intellectualism, racism, sexism, successism, prosperityism. I made up those words. Uh, relativism, subjectivism, or any other philosophy or psychology. That is not who we are. It's not what is taught in church. And I got people who are bugging me and beating me up because I'm not getting on board with what's happening in society right now. Pastor Allen, have you got your head in the sand? Don't you know what's going on? I can tell you, I know what's going on better than anybody in the room because I'm studying it, paying attention to this like nobody else's. It's my job. And I can tell you that after all these years of preaching the gospel, we will continue to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and nothing else and no one else. It's Christ and Christ alone. The wise man, he, his house did not fall because it had been founded on the rock and great psychology. No, it doesn't say that, does it? It's not the solid rock and something else. Did you hear that? Yes. It's only the solid rock of Christ's teaching. Ideas come and ideas go. But the word of God stands firm forever. Yes. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away, saith the Lord. Are you wise or are you a fool? And this is something that all of us need to take very close and careful assessment of our lives. We need to pay attention to what we're doing and how we're living. Why? Because Jesus said so. And that's why at Cross Church, we only preach the rock. We only preach Jesus Christ and his word. Why? Because in Matthew 28, verse 20, Jesus gives the Great Commission and he says what? And what? And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Nothing else. That's what we teach. When the storms of life come, the man who built his house on the rock, he stands firm. How many know that storms come? Oh, they come. And we all experience them. We all experience storms and troubles and trials and difficulties. And when they come, can you, will you stand firm? I know what the temptation is because I have the same temptation. Take matters into my own hands. God, don't worry, I got this one. 
This is a little too tough for you, Lord. I'm going to take care of this problem, this struggle, this storm. But the wise man, he's so wise that even when that storm comes, he's firm because he's standing on the wisdom of the word of God. If you're standing on the wisdom of the word of God, I can tell you, you will not fall. Did you hear that? This is, this is not a suggestion. And this is not a probability. This is a sure thing. This is a fact of the matter. Our house, when it was being built, they put in so many piles. I thought, oh, how much, how much money did that add to the price of our house? And I thought, what a waste. It was not necessary, but they put in a lot of piles. I understood and appreciated the value of those piles. And by the way, those piles go down until they hit something hard. It's got to hit rock. That day that the first train went by, and I thought we were having an earthquake. (laughs) Because a train track goes right behind our house. It's very, very rare. But when it comes, you could be laying in bed, and all of a sudden you just feel... Just shaking there. Do you know after all these years, we don't have one crack in, in any of our walls? No cracks. 14 years later, not a crack anywhere. Why? Because that house is on solid rock. And the house could be shaken by the trains that go by or winds that blow, and it matters not. The house is standing firm. It's not going anywhere. It can shake, but you can go to bed and sleep and not worry about a thing. I can't say that about my, my, our first house. Every time it rained, 4 o'clock in the morning, I'm running to the basement to see if I got a flood. This house is rock solid. The other house... Just built with stones one top of the other. It's still standing, mind you. The wise man understands that he must act upon the teachings of Christ. It's not enough to say, oh, well, Jesus was a great teacher. Everybody says that. I'm not going to listen to him or do what he says, but he was a great teacher. You know what? It doesn't really matter what you think about the teachings of Christ. Jesus is not looking for your opinion or your approval. He wasn't looking for the opinion or the approval of the Pharisees or the scribes or anybody else. And some of us here today are worried about the opinions of other people about your Lord and Savior. What do you care what people think about Jesus? What do you care? If you've put your life on the solid rock of Christ's teaching, you know by, through experience that you have built your life on the right thing. A true Christian devotes his whole life to knowing the words of Christ and doing exactly what he says. Now I'm going to tell you, Because I know some of you are sitting here thinking, you know, Pastor John, you're just simplifying this a little too much. It's just a little too simplistic for us. Not everything that Jesus says is easy to swallow. How many know that? Not everything that Jesus teaches or preaches is, is easy to take. 
Let me read to you something from John 6. So Jesus said again, Jesus has just finished feeding the multitudes, 5,000 people, they've been fed. Greater miracle you'd never see, just with a few loaves and fishes, he's fed the multitude. And so Jesus now is teaching them. He says, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. Does anybody hear that the way I'm hearing it? I'm hearing it through the ears of somebody who's not a Christian, somebody who's not converted, somebody that doesn't know Jesus. So Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. Is that shocking to you? It shocks me every time I read it. Jesus, couldn't you just have said that in a slightly different, couldn't you just kind of explain that a little bit? Jesus said, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life. But anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise that person at the last day. I will raise that person on the last day. Resurrection. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. Jesus, would you just get off the subject of eating your flesh and drinking your blood? You say it once and let's quickly pass over this, but he just keeps on hammering on this. I live because of the living father who sent me. In the same way, anyone who feeds on me will live because of me. Jesus, let's get off the subject. I am the true bread that comes down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will not die as your ancestors did, even though they ate the manna, but will live forever. He said these things while he was teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. Many of his disciples said, this is very hard to understand. How many know that about Christianity? The natural, the natural mind cannot receive the things of the spirit. Did you know that? The natural mind cannot understand spiritual truth. So rather than you panicking that people don't understand your faith, relax. Relax. Begin to pray that God will open their eyes to see the truth. But we panic. We say, oh, no, we can't go around saying things like this. I know of churches where they do not talk about the blood of Jesus. It's too offensive. This is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept it? And Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining about what he was teaching. So he said to them, does this offend you? Yes. Then what will you think if you see the Son of Man ascend to heaven again? The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. Did you hear that? Jesus teaches us a Sermon on the Mount, tells us what we need to do, but now here Jesus says, seems to be contradicting himself. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I've spoken to you are spirit and life. But some of you do not believe me. 
Then he said, that is why I said that people can't come to me unless the Father gives them to me. Wow. You come to the Father because the Father gives you to Jesus. I'm I'm always amazed at the way God plucks people out and says, he's mine. Shauna and Dennis are sitting here. They're the ones I always think of when I do that. God sees Shauna, plucks her out of her family and says, she's mine. God sees Dennis, plucks him out of his family and says, he's mine. God sees Alan, plucks him out of his family, he's mine. People can't come to me unless the Father gives them to me. At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. Teaching, this teaching of Jesus, it's hard to swallow. It's hard for the natural mind to swallow truth. In fact, it's impossible. Unless God opens your heart and your mind to understand the truth that sets you free. And so many of his disciples turned away. They deserted him. Then Jesus turned to the 12 and asked, are you going to leave? Are you going to leave me as well? And here's what Peter said. Lord, to whom should we go? Where would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know you are the Holy One of God. This morning, I want you to understand that Jesus Christ is the one who has the words that give eternal life. And even though your mind may not be able to comprehend it all, and your friends don't understand, and your neighbors think you're nuts because you're a Christian, it doesn't matter because they don't have the words that give eternal life. Only Jesus does. And so we turn our eyes upon Jesus and we look full in his glorious face. And the things of this world grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Build your life on the solid rock of Christ's teaching. Some of you may or may not know, but today is... Palm Sunday. On this day, a week before the resurrection of Jesus Christ, Jesus came riding into Jerusalem on a, on a donkey. 